0: Welcome to the CSA Survivors Speak podcast. I am your host, Wendy Ward Hoffer, a mother, author, and educator, also a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. The purpose of this podcast is to provide empathy and hope to survivors, as well as to educate the community about the lifelong impacts of childhood sexual abuse. Find us on Instagram at CSA Survivors Speak Podcast, all one word, for more information and resources. In each episode, I talk with a courageous survivor willing to share their personal story. Before we get started, I just want to remind listeners that this content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself, take breaks, and seek support as needed. Thank you so much for listening. My guest today is Jenny Stiff, the Executive Director of Wings. Hi, Jenny. Good morning, Wendy. Thanks so much for um, joining me. Can you start us off by just talking about Wings and what you are up to these days?
1: Yeah, it's a joy to join you. So thank you for that invitation. Um, WINGS is a nonprofit organization that exists to support adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse and their loved ones. And um, we have been in Colorado for a long time, 40 years, this year, and I have been at WINGS for the last eight and a half years. And we support survivors in a lot of ways. We specialize in support groups for adult survivors so they can connect with other survivors and learn about what they're going through and unpack that together and and heal together. And we have a group for loved ones. And then really because of the challenges that survivors face in the world, we're working to to address some of those. So we're building out some trainings for providers and other education and outreach initiatives for for everyone really and and survivors to be able to speak about, heal from and thrive beyond this trauma.
0: Wonderful. Well, and I'm so grateful, Jenny, for your work and for the work of Wings from which I have benefited personally. So thank you. Um how I'm just curious how you got into this field.
1: Yeah, well, and again, I want to I want to acknowledge you and thank you for for naming that you've benefited from Wings because it's just awesome to see you on your journey and taking up space and opening the conversation in this way. So really seeing you and appreciating you in that.
0: Um, And then what was your question (laughs) Um, i'm just curious how you got into this field. What sort of drives you in your work, and how how you've
1: How I found my way here. Yeah,
0: thank you. Um,
1: So it's kind of a long story. I'll try to make it fast. Um, I I was working in healthcare in um, the 2000s and that decade of my life and that uh, for a children's hospital that was part of a large system in Louisville, Kentucky actually. And when I turned 30, which is longer ago than I'd like to admit, um, I woke up to the fact that I was a survivor of childhood sexual abuse through, um, through a relationship that was not um, healthy. And that kind of cracked me open and had me look backwards to figure out you know how I got in that situation. And that began this journey of trying to understand what I was even dealing with, how to get support for that and how to, you know, move forward in a healthy way. So gosh, I don't know, it feels like a long time ago now, but it really ignited this passion in me because I was reading books. That was the only thing I could figure out, you know, quietly, silently. I remember going to like secondhand bookshops and, you know, peeking around the self-help section and, you know, I didn't want anyone to know what I was, you know, looking for, and I wasn't even sure what I was looking for. Um, but slowly tried to like educate myself on the issue. And then the more I read, the more I realized this is not a new issue. This has been around forever. And by the way, we've known about it. The books that I was reading were from the seventies and eighties. They were like at least 30 years old. I was 30 years old. I was pretty well connected in that community by that time. And I was like, how in the world did this information not make it into these systems that I'm a part of? I can't understand it. It's too big for me. I need to understand it. And that led to me stepping away from that, um, well, that role um, in healthcare and going back to school and trying to, I knew that I didn't know enough yet to live differently or to make change differently. And I needed to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I am reflecting on it now, it's like, it wasn't just the trauma that I was trying to heal from, which I didn't fully understand yet. It was the silence around it from every single place that I should have gotten support. I was a leader in the Catholic church. Like I was pretty darn connected, even though I'd come from like a rural part of the state and there were just no doors for me. And so, yeah, that's how, that's how I began.
0: And then I can just talk and run on sentences. So please stop me anytime you want. Well, I just want to ask a question about what you described, because I think that is many survivors experience is we feel really isolated, that no one's talking about this, that we are alone. And so I'm curious, like, how do you make sense of that, that reality that we've both of us and others we know live through? You know, I want to answer that
1: but I almost want to reflect back if it's okay. Cause I think a lot is changing in this space. Um, And we're, and you're part of that like right now. Um, But I will say interestingly, when I stepped off that path at that point, this was like, oh nine, the spring of 2010 through a mentor of mine, I got a chance to go overseas. And again, this was so big. It was like um, every system that I was a part of was part of this, you know, invisibility, this invisible wound and problem. And so I, I really needed to study this. And so I got a chance to go to the Middle East and I did an internship there um, in the spring of 2010. And while I was there, I noticed that there was a lot of discussion around issues like female genital mutilization. And there were a lot of Western people wanting to intervene in, in communities in that area to stop that problem from happening. And what got my attention was, hey, we have childhood sexual abuse happening in our culture. We're not talking about it. And how can we try to, you know, come into another place and help, you know, deal with this issue and we can't look at our own. And when I was overseas, I remember there was, um, there was an organization that was working to amplify women's voices globally. And I got on and signed on an account and just like, shed my story anonymously to that community because I was just like, someone has to be talking about this. And um, it was really helpful for me, again, even though it was anonymous, because I left my whole life behind trying to like understand how this could even be a problem. Um, but here we are, you know, probably what, like 13 years later and things have come forward. I really credit the Me Too movement, Toronto Burke's work, um, so many um, survivors who've come forward on high profile cases who've really stood in their truth and stood up for other survivors. And so I do think that is what is changing things. People are speaking. And, you know, the internet is fairly new. We can talk about that too, in terms of um, times that the issues come above the water and then falling back under the water. But I think we are the ideologies that create dominance and gender-based violence—they're—they're not—they're definitely not new. They are eons old. Patriarchy, um, white supremacy. Just these are so dominant in our culture, and they've trickled down to allow childhood—not even allow—to to predict that childhood sexual abuse will happen in ideologies like that. And so people have been stuck in the silence and the a lack of support around that. And we're living in a time, I truly believe, where we get to push back against that through our own healing, through the contributions we make in the world, the ways we contribute. I and mean, we are changing that.
0: Um, did I answer the question enough? <laughs> it doesn't matter. You spoke really well. Um, could you talk more about that? Jenny, just about the social conditions that you be- believe or understand create a climate of childhood sexual abuse.
1: Yes, I will try. And I don't claim to be an expert on this. It's, again, something I keep waking up to or, or trying to hold consciousness around. Um, you know, everything about our lives, we may take it for just the way things are, but it's all really constructed. And many of us were born into like social conditions that we didn't choose that were part of, you know, the the community, the family, the environment that we were born into. As I had to unlearn that for myself, again, I point to ideologies that have positioned men over women and other gendered people over children and have really distorted what it means to even A human, like that, we can all actually be nurturing and we all can be empowered. And it through those distorted ideologies, we've created distorted ways of relating with each other. And ultimately, I do think hurt people hurt people. And so I think childhood sexual abuse is a very predictable outcome of those types of ideologies. And so I look to any ideologies that have that has power to influence as either being one that is life giving where everyone can have a voice and everyone can uh, be valued and everyone can be accountable to their actions or a distorted ideology, where, which I just described, like these people have the power, these people don't, these people get to do what they want and won't be held, won't be called into question. And those to me are not, um, those systems will always have abuse in them. So I think we have to start looking at that and, you know, This is a a space that is new for me. I've not shared this on the verbal platform. I've written about it, but I have really pointed to the Catholic church as, um, because I come out of that faith tradition, that religious tradition as a woman who had to look at the role of that ideology on the violence that I encountered and the silence around it. And so I've been, that's an edge for me to like, to ask myself, how am I going to make change in that? So I've taken some steps, but, and this, this is another one speaking out. I just think um, telling women that we can't be a spiritual authority, that we you know, don't have a, an egalitarian role in how we view the divine or how we view worship, that trickles down into families. It trickles down into communities where women become subjugated and children become harmed and it's invisible and nobody talks about it and nobody um, addresses it. So that, that may have gone further than you wanted, but you're inviting me and I'm taking a brave step to to call the church into accountability, to call especially the male leaders because they are the ones with the power to look at the system they created. And it's not just priest abuse, It is childhood sexual abuse will happen in any system where there is an imbalance of power.
0: So in order to address childhood sexual abuse, do you see a need for just complete social change? Like that's a huge ask. What's your vision for that? Yeah, I love that. It's a huge ask, it's a huge
1: invitation Mm -hmm. because here's the good news. It's healthier for everyone it's healthier for men in those power positions it's healthier when we look at for example child and family development and just look at we can learn a lot from from the healing journey what we're reclaiming as survivors to reclaim self and reclaim wholeness and re- reclaim sacredness if you will um, it should never have been fragmented in the first place it should never have been given to these people over these people it's just it's a fallacy to me so um, I think it's awful, I think it's awful to scratch our heads and wonder why, like, well, this may get into a weedy place, but I never want to remove accountability from an individual, for some, from someone who causes harm in this way. I think it's irresponsible to not look at what is causing that. And so, again, in systems where this is rampant, to, to the, for them to then say, oh, no, it was individual abuser and not look at their ideology that is irresponsible. And that is part of that violent ideology that is harming people. Mm -hmm. And so I do, I call people into accountability and it's an invitation for healing. And
0: (laughs) sorry, I'm on a roll.
1: But again, sexual abuse is a part of broader violence. So violence that subjugates, you know, black and brown bodied people, for example, same, it's the same ideology. And so many of us have been raised within it. We haven't taught to, been taught to question it. In fact, we've been um, motivated to not question it. And now many people are We're in a racial reckoning as we should be. And so that has actually been helpful for me over the last few years as I've been listening and learning and I've, I've made mistakes in that arena, but now I really see my heart is really open to this is all part of the same violence and so it is a big ask and a lot of people are asking and that's the good news i too i think i was stepping out on this 12 13 years ago i th- I, th- I knew that there was something that was amiss like i knew things were really wrong and that's why i had to go back and learn but i did kind of think it was about me or that that somehow i was i was the one that needed to like carry this and that is part of the wound too that white saviorism of you know No, I'm just a person that's trying to heal and make sense of something. And there are a lot of people trying to do that right now. Thank goodness. And I think that those of us who have made our way through or are making our way through and have platforms to speak should. And it is interesting in this moment to be as candid as I am with you, but this is my edge. This is my um, vocational edge. Mm
0: -hmm. So what, um, it sounds like you're recognizing there's this whole social structure that's really enabled the violence of sexual abuse and other forms of violence, and also that this is a time of change. So what are some of the shifts or promise that you see right now that is giving you optimism?
1: Gosh, yeah, thanks for reflecting that back, I mean, so many things, I think. Those that have experienced sexual violence are stepping forward. Um, That's the good news about technology. You know, Again, we're living in time. I think I got my first email address when I was a freshman in college in the fall of 96, right? Um, As I started to put the pieces together for myself about childhood sexual abuse, I didn't really realize there were many women before me who had come forward and talked about this. Because we're here in Colorado, I wanna mention Marilyn Vandenberg, Atler, and, you know, I ended up reading her book, Miss America by Day um, in the spring of 2010. She told her story in the early nineties and it was pre-internet. So all these people came forward and, and, and she, I've heard her talk so many times, she's such a, a she wrote to me. Uh, she would say the mail came in bags, the mail bags, because there were so many people who related to what she was bravely coming forward with but, and then, so people started getting help and this was happening in prominent families. It was happening in so many places and those people didn't want to be held accountable. So they created something called the false memory syndrome foundation and people got sued. People like therapists were getting sued for supporting their clients and talking about this. And you'll have to bring me back to make sure that I don't get too far away from your question, but it's, it is kind of nice to reflect on this because, so the issue went underwater. And then um, I really think some things happened in like the Larry Nasser case in 2011. Um, the movie Spotlight came out I think in 2017. And what was interesting to me, because at that point I was well into trying to make change on this at Wings, but that really was about priest abuse in the Catholic church in the early 2000s. It took 17 years to get to the big screen. Then of course, um, I'm sorry, I misspoke. Um, Jerry Sandusky was with Penn State. Larry Nasser was with the U.S. Women's Gymnastics Team. Of course, he he violated those those women, um, and that came you know forward. I think in 2017, 2018, those those years, I believe. So and the internet is here, right? And then Me Too was coming forward, and so I think this power of technology to amplify voice and to build shared experience and shared resilience, really, and shared solidarity, that's new, that's really new, and so I know there's a lot of of concern around misinformation in the time that we're living in, that is real, and shared resilience, shared bravery, shared courage, that's real too, and so, so yeah, I think that's that's the good news of the time that we happen to be living in. Yeah,
0: I agree. I agree. So much is shifting. I want to switch a little bit the topic and talk about um, experience with healing and recovery and some of the challenges in the field. I know WINGS as an agency is really of service to adult survivors and uh, has, as you said, been working on that for decades. I'm curious what, Changes have you seen in sort of resources or opportunities for recovery? Thank you. you.
1: That might have been more of your question before, and I was giving the context. and so thanks for making sure I speak to this. Um, yes. So, there's a huge need. So, so, yeah. We were just talking about increasing consciousness and culture, and and people stepping forward. And now we need to talk about services. And I'm really glad you said that because they are not enough. This is something that this is the way I've seen it, and. I never, again, if someone else wants to educate me on this, I welcome it. But when I was trying to understand why couldn't I get help for this when I needed it in my community? And so I do know that there are many amazing sexual assault recovery centers around the nation now, many domestic violence programs and mental health programs um, that that probably have really good ways of serving survivors. I don't know that it's been intentional always in terms of, I think these movements like the domestic violence and the rape crisis or sexual assault movement came out of a need to support people who were in crisis with the recent event, the recent experience of domestic violence, the recent sexual assault, there was nothing for victim survivors going through that. And so brave people, many women, um, but, but others also created these organizations from nothing. And over time, those have again spread in every um, state here in the US um, and they've existed on very limited funding in the justice space. I mean, this is my opinion and coming to WINGS, the reason that I came to Colorado and WINGS is I was looking back in the early 2010s, 2012, was looking for an organization that specifically supported adult survivors and I couldn't find many. And I connected with WINGS. And so the services that we provide, again, the support group service is very beneficial to adult survivors for some reasons. And may ask, remind me to come back to that because then we to speak to that specifically. And we know it's a really good complement to individual trauma treatment, that there's a lot that needs to be unpacked with a trained professional, um, especially for survivors who are first starting out on their journey, because decades have passed. This happened to them as children, happened to us as children, our brains and our bodies were still developing. And so we need support, that one-on-one support, and then group space. And then we can talk about other healing modalities. That hasn't been available. That has not been easily available to many survivors. Um, Those might that might be lucky enough in their local community to get services at their local sexual assault center, finding a counselor who's trained in trauma recovery. But in my own experience it was very hard actually to find someone with that competency. And coming to Colorado, we I was after several years at Wings, I was realizing everyone's facing the same problem. So we did a needs assessment, you know this, but we did a needs assessment with the School of Public Health here, designing an assessment to ask survivors, you know, locally, what's it like when you're trying to access services? And what we found were huge gaps, very hard to find a trained therapist, um, very hard to find support group access across the state you know, lots of stigma around the issue, lack of awareness, all the things that we know. Um, And so I don't want to say that there aren't services out there. There are, but are they specific to our needs? Do they have the language we need? Are they easy to access? Are are they free or affordable for our use? Can we go for a long time, which we need? This is, we, it's important for people to understand what developmental trauma is. And again, that's when, someone is injured, a child is injured while they're still developing. So to heal from that decades later, it's not a succession kind of thing. It's a, it's a difficult, remarkable, long committed, consistent process. And so if you don't have insurance, if you, you know, can't find a provider, your provider changes or any number of barriers, you don't have safe housing, um, you don't have a, a, a job with a fair wage. You don't, maybe you have children and you want to dedicate time to your healing, but your, are your children going to be safe while you do that? And even opening yourself up to healing from this trauma, again, it's, it, you know, this, it's very hard at first it, it, for a long time too. So it's not like you have to be, you have to have some other things in your life settled or supporting you to be able to even go there. And so your question is a really important question. And it's part of that, like culture needs to look different. If we're going to get serious about this issue, providing some of the things I've just described is the minimum. It's the minimum that people need to heal. And there are many other ways of healing. And we can talk about, um, I would really just love to listen to others and other cultures who are healing from this and know what's working for them. But there's just a a lot of barriers and a lot of gaps. And so that's something I'm really interested in my next decade. Um, How do we really remove those barriers, open up access to healing?
0: So the way you describe it is that healing is really hard to, it's almost a privilege for someone to have the opportunity to heal the resource of time, of stability, of access to quality care. And that that's a barrier for a lot of folks
1: um it I, is and go ahead well and if that's not okay because there's a justice component to this turns out childhood sexual abuse is a crime and so adult survivors should have rights to services and we've gotten that about child victims we've opened up and done more to support connected them to services and that's not an area i'm an expert on i'm sure i know that issue needs more attention And we shouldn't age out of that right just because we turn 18, knowing that many of us don't understand what we're even dealing with until much later. So along the journey, I just wanna mention this part, because this is where I wanna acknowledge the field today stands on the shoulders of everyone who came before. But early on in my time at Wings, I was advised to go try to advocate on on a very grassroots level in DC and try to talk to some folks in the victim service space around the adult survivor experience and our needs there. And that was when I realized there was this whole field of victim services that are trying to provide adequate resourcing for those of us who are victims of crime. And I met women there, just I'm just remembering, I met some women there who they were part of that movement before that false memory syndrome foundation effort came through and swept through. Like someone said, I knew therapists that lost their jobs because of this. So that backlash was real, right? And that's where I think um, building power around it isn't just, it wouldn't just be nice if providers were trained and, and that survivors actually had access to what they need. It needs to be mandated. It needs to be, um, yeah, mandated because we have a right to receive the support we need to heal. It's, it's really simple in my mind. Um, and then when you, t- and then yes, when you talk about those who've been more marginalized in society who have, their symptoms are so, advanced and chronic because likely the level of trauma they've experienced what would that look like to have wraparound services to, to have them be stable enough to go through this healing journey that's a really important question and so i think breaking down the silos between some of these fields that they got created out of scarcity around the the issues they were trying to solve but we can we're trying at wings now to, to conceptualize a, a coordinated community response for adult survivors so we can get folks trained, get survivors um, screened for the trauma. And this is always a voluntary choice. No one can, you cannot ever, and you should not ever force someone into looking at this if they're not ready, because that would do more harm. And if you don't know what you're dealing with, you cannot make an informed choice about how to move forward with it. And so it's almost like, this is probably a bad analogy, but this is all about shifting consciousness, right? And at some point someone decided, you know, a box of cigarettes should have a warning label. This might cause harm to your health. So you decide if you want to do that or not. And it's almost like, I would like survivors to know if this happened to you at any age, and as Marilyn Vanderbilt says, one time or many times by someone you knew, by someone you didn't know, by someone to whom you were related, if it happened to you, you have a right to heal. And you get to decide if, when, and how you, Pursue that journey, but we have a right to tell you this may be impacting your health and there may be benefit to you in looking at this. Like, that's a, I don't know, that just seems really basic to empowering survivor justice and then making sure that they can actually get the support they need to engage in that journey. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I know plenty of survivors who took a long time to figure out, like, well, that's why I'm like that, or the, here's what happened. It's a, it's a fascinating disconnect that I think we have experienced in our minds of not understanding how our symptoms tie back to those early experiences.
1: Totally, Wendy, thanks for
0: saying that. I'm sorry, like
1: substance abuse, eating disorders, relationship challenges, revictimization. so domestic violence and adult sexual assault are often revictimizations. <laughs> from a history of childhood sexual abuse. And that is not to blame the person who has sexual abuse as a child, it is to connect the dots and say, let's, let's heal the root cause or give people the choice to heal the root cause. My, I've had challenges in the relationship arena. And for me, once I realized that I was like, I, I need to go to the root here. I need to figure out how to heal that. Mm-hmm. And um, it just starts a new conversation. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about that, Jenny, like, this is a topic you and I have delved into in the past, but I'm going to ask you again, like, what is healing? Like, how would you describe sort of the opportunity, the promise of that journey?
1: Yeah, it's a good question, Wendy. And I don't have the full answer. And I think we're all probably learning for ourselves and with each other, if I will say initially for me, it started out intellectually, I needed to understand what am I dealing with? And I think that is helpful. And you know, let's look at any health issue. If you have any health issue, health literacy is step one. What do I need to know? How do I start building some support around myself for this? Um, I will say there's a role that loved ones play in this healing business. <laughs> Because again, if you thought of any other health issue, if you if, if someone has gone through, let's say breast cancer, like, oh my gosh, I've been diagnosed, this is gonna be hard, probably would reach out to friends and family, probably would have immediate recognition around, oh, we're with you on this. The hard part for adult survivors is because we're often abused by someone we know, trust and love, that is not the response we've typically gotten. It has been, don't say anything, you can't talk about this. Um, And this shame and stigma and people don't know what to say if they're like a friend and and so there's an opportunity to educate folks on how to respond um so there's that and i guess i'm just starting from the most basic there's the information there's like i'm not alone okay others have gone through this and then we talk about there's physiological impacts and neurobiological impacts so trauma to the brain the central nervous system the body and the relational our relational capabilities as people. All of that gets rough, disrupted through childhood sexual abuse and then has the opportunity to be restored and reclaimed um, through a lot of different modalities. There's, an, there's something coming up for me that, that I want to speak to that. I remember someone talking about a young woman who was in a car accident, someone that I knew through my family, and she was saying, this young woman, she was 16 and through this car accident she was knocked unconscious and i was like that is what people need to get about childhood sexual abuse like there's this loss of consciousness that happens because we're protecting ourselves from the abuse we're experiencing and that also leads to that disconnect between oh these symptoms i'm experiencing today have something to do with that weird thing that happened to me as a child and so coming to consciousness through the healing process wow there's a lot of ways to do that again education, shared experience with other survivors, said I wanted to talk about the support group space. And I think it's important for people to get, because we can't intellectually as a child understand that someone that we love would choose to harm us, we internalize that. And we just say, oh, this happened because I'm bad. And not just I did something bad, but I am bad as a person. And that just gets taken on as our identity. And so in the healing process, and then we do a lot of other things that wasn't abuse, didn't, it wasn't that bad, like we're doing it automatically out of our, out of a sophisticated like survival response, but then decades go by and that response is still there in the architecture itself. And so I think in support group, um, we can see in others first, what we can't see in ourselves. We can easily see, oh, it wasn't your fault. You were just a child. And of course, you deserve love and are a powerful person. We can see it in someone else, but we can't see it in ourselves. And I think support groups for this issue are uniquely um, beneficial as that, as that coming to consciousness piece. And what I'm learning about lately is like healing at the body level and the soul level like, you know? and like, I just, ex- for myself personally, I'm experiencing some deep, deep healing that has not been intellectual and it's built upon the safety that I think I've created for myself, understanding the complexities around this, but then feeling safe enough to actually go in and like feel my heart. Turns out I I couldn't do that for a long time and I didn't know why. And now I'm learning I'm practicing how to do that without feeling like I'm going to die, for example. And if you had talked to me five years ago about some like somatic strategies, like I was aware of them. I just didn't have time. I didn't have the personal capacity to open myself up to that. And now that I am, I'm like, wow, there's so much more to healing, quote healing, than I could ever have imagined. And so these, some of these things aren't even new. They're, they're, they're old, they're indigenous um, ways of healing that again have been disrupted and distorted and, and marked as wrong even in some cases and reclaiming wholeness like that's where it has it has moved. My consciousness has moved from. Yes, this is a health issue, or it's a counseling issue, or it's 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 a sexual recovery issue. It's all of those things, and there's like this this decolonized place of self that many of us we don't even know because we haven't we haven't had chances to even experience what that might be like. And I feel like I'm getting a little. Um, heady and vague, but I guess restoration of the self, you know, in community, in healthy community and healthy relationship, that is sort of where my growth edges For myself, I'd be curious to hear what you think healing is.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, and I won't go into detail, but I think my perspective is just healing would be a place of not living the fallout of the trauma you know there's so many ways as you describe that the trauma can echo through our lives and getting to a place beyond that where we feel truly free i think is my sort of vision of that i love that and i i do think that's possible wendy i do
1: i do for myself dropping out of my head which is i didn't know i that's where i've been living my whole life i just thought that that's what everybody did but it's actually you can you can live in your whole body, you can live in your heart. You can like, and and it's I feel vulnerable sharing that. Um, and I feel really excited about sharing that because now that I'm getting practices and it's like getting a felt sense of what that feels like for myself, it's like, oh wow, this is it is possible. Like we can move trauma. I've been releasing some trauma. That's a whole other interesting experience. Like, that's another podcast, but like I can feel it like releasing. And it's like, oh wow, that's been living in my body for all these years. And it it's it's like releasing. So because I came out of healthcare, I think this is really important work. This is why I take a stand for it. Like this is this is one I believe, I truly believe wings and and, and supporting adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse, any any effort in that arena. Is one of the most important missions for the future of a healthy planet and a healthy human community because so many of us are walking around with unhealed trauma and it is ancestral it's passed down it's intergenerational and sorry i this is these are the places my brain goes but like i believe that the human spirit is the biggest untapped renewable energy resource on the planet. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's help people just transform their trauma Mm -hmm. and then they can create healthy lives and relationships and communities. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're looking outside of ourselves. We're looking at AI and all these other things to save us. It's like, it's right here. It's with each other. It's Mm -hmm. telling the truth. It's it's allowing us to heal. Mm -hmm. And that will actually
0: just have important ripple effects. I couldn't agree more. I I do think it's a really significant cause. Um, Jenny, you're like a super um, high achieving, you know, high functioning survivor. And I'm so grateful for your work and to know you. And I'm curious, as you imagine, maybe an audience of folks who aren't as far along the road of being able to speak and share, you know, their understanding of trauma or to acknowledge its impacts the way you do. Like what would you say to someone in that early stages, in those early stages of healing?
1: That's a great question.
0: No. That's a great question. I actually sort of want to answer it
1: backwards. Mm -hmm. I may look like a high functioning survivor, and I am in some ways. And what I'm comfortable with lately is and more consciousness around lately is actually how traumatized I've been. I called it a life and that gets to me dropping into my heart and not like we all get to cope a lot of ways. I've coped through drive around this issue. Mm. I mean, for me, it was part like, I needed to be in a world that was addressing this issue and that was important. And now I'm getting access to all like, there's some other aspects of self that like, it's funny that that, I've never even used that phrase. It's just coming up in our conversation that needs some healing. And so I want to be honest about that because I think it's part of the truth that needs to be told. And so I don't want to present to someone else that, that I'm there yet, or that their life should look like mine. If anything, if I had it to do over and the services were already there, I probably would have, I I, I did prioritize that. Between leaving healthcare and coming to wings, I was actually in graduate school and did deeper healing, really good, important, deeper healing during that time. Knowing what I know now, though, many years went by between that time in my life and what I'm doing now, because I was so like involved in advancing the issue and in a sink or swim scenario because of culture. Um, but I'm sharing that because like, whatever you can do to prioritize your healing, I would say do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all have to maintain life and, you know, I, I, I'm not married. I don't have children. I do think that's probably connected to the trauma and over coming. Um, many survivors do. So, you know, what, it's not always easy to make this, that prioritization. And I'm thinking of other survivors I know who are, who are thriving right now. And I'm thinking about, they were consistent in their healing, either they were in a support group, they were in therapy, they've tried different modalities. They were diligent in prioritizing themselves in their healing journey. And, honestly, that's one of the best things I can recommend. Um, one of the reasons I love the wings handbook, by the way, is okay. I talked about when I would go to the secondhand bookshops and, you know, peeking the self-help. I, so I do think I ordered some books on Amazon one winter. I ordered so many books at the same time that the post person, like left the box. There were like 20 books, you know, in my front stoop. And When I came to Wings and I looked at what they they had referrals for trained therapists and I knew that was important. And they had this handbook that was very comprehensive and it was like all the books I'd read in one. And I was like, this is important. And so making sure you have some of those basics covered, connecting with other survivors, knowing that you're not alone. I was fortunate along my journey to meet In the beginning, one person, one person who was a fellow survivor and her friendship was so important to me, because she also was a high, you know, high functioning presenting person who had a lot of injury from this same um, experience of childhood sexual abuse. And honestly, in this world that has not recognized this, that can be disempowering. Again, I think I said it earlier, but I'm getting a, rem- a memory of it. It is so disempowering as survivors to not be seen mm-hmm. as having legitimate, health issues that we need help from. And that's something that I got present to you this past weekend, like that's part of my vocation and what I carry is I want people to see us and understand that we need and deserve support. And um, yeah, so survivors in those early stages, whatever it is, so whatever the presenting issue is, if you're in a bad relationship and that is, a, it cr- is creating a safety issue for you, reach out to domestic violence program, start thinking about how to get out of that situation. By the way, I just watched the movie made or not just, but a few months ago, like that type of heroic, I know this is what I need to do for myself. And then talking about it and and letting other people know you're not alone. I loved that effort because it just showed the path of women that are in that experience, which so many of us have been. And so like addressing that, if you have a substance abuse issue or or other issue, get some support for that issue. And if you know that you, you experienced sexual abuse as a child and you want to look at that, find support to look at that because that's my big thing. It's like, let's not talk about symptom management that has a place, but let's talk about transforming the root cause. And then can someone come out of that process it might take two years, four years, six years. That, I think that's a realistic expectation in some cases for like a set, like foundational work then you get more life back you get better relationships you get authentic friendships you know your whole world can change by making that a priority so um sorry I have it turns out I have a lot to
0: say about these things it's wonderful it's wonderful um well Jenny I so appreciate your work and your courage in addressing this issue I think you know, the visibility that we, we know we need is, is emerging thanks to folks like you who are um, willing to speak up. I know we could talk longer, um, but just for the sake of the podcast, I wanna, I wanna break soon. It, do you have kind of a closing thought or an out, outro message you wanna offer as we wrap up? Thanks for
1: offering that Wendy. And again, thanks for the invitation. It scared me when you asked me because I haven't connected some of these spaces in my own life with the work I do. It's It's been hard to be fully authentic in everything that I want to bring forward. Maybe someday I'll take additional steps in that arena, but um, I really want people to know that it matters. You matter. You know, if this happened in your life, you matter. Your healing process matters and it matters to you, the life you want to create. It matters to your community. It matters. I, I really am starting to get really um, passion about preservation of our planet and healing. This trauma is a key piece of that. I'm, I just, I'm clear. And so whatever is a motivator, you know, follow it, follow your truth. And we're here wings is here. If we can be a support, our support groups right now, we're in Colorado. We're trying to figure out a path forward to scaling those. If anyone's listening and wants to be a part of that, this reason, this mission needs investment. That's what's gonna start moving it. Um, and we provide referrals as best we can state statewide or, or not, I'm sorry, not just statewide, but like in many other states. And we have calls from survivors in other countries as well. So we we do our best um, and we're, we are building capacity for a small agency. So we have dreams and we have plans to, to scale and, and really try to meet the need in a collaborative way. We also wanna partner. Um, but for now, if, if you don't know where else to go, you can call us. And it, our website is wingsfound.org.
0: Wonderful. Well, Jenny, many thanks to you and to the colleagues at WINGS who are continuing to support survivors and um, appreciate so much you sharing your perspective and experience today. I so appreciate Wendy. Thanks for letting me spend some time and open my heart with you.
1: That's great.